This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of neck injuries in athletes from the knee and sports section on orthobullets.com. Injuries to the cervical spine can occur in all sports and range from soft tissue injuries to quadriplegia. The spectrum of injuries include ligament sprains in the cervical spine, burners and stingers, spear tackler spine, cervical fractures, transient quadriplegia, and quadriplegia. The definition of spear tackler spine is developmental narrowing or stenosis of the cervical canal and persistent straining or reversal of the normal cervical lordotic curve. It's associated with concomitant post-traumatic x-ray abnormalities of the cervical spine and documentation of having employed spear tackling techniques. As far as treatment of spear tackler spine, this is a contraindication to play in contact sports. With respect to transient quadriplegia, this is neuropraxia of the cervical cord. It's associated with bilateral upper and lower extremity pain, paresthesias, and weakness. Symptoms typically resolve within minutes to hours. With respect to the epidemiology of neck injuries in athletes, injuries to the cervical spine are primarily seen in contact sports. It's common among football and rugby players. However, evolution of protective gear has decreased the incidence of these injuries. The mechanism of these injuries is axial load or compression with flexion of the spine. Most injuries in contact sports occur during tackling of another player. Spear tackling is the most common mechanism of neck injury in football and can lead to gradual cervical stenosis and loss of cervical lordosis. As far as associated conditions, underlying conditions of the cervical spine can increase the severity of neck injuries and be contraindications to play. They include previous trauma to the cervical spine, specifically fractures or ligamentous injuries, cervical stenosis, congenital odontoid hypoplasia, os odontoidium, and clipal fail anomalies. For a full review of relevant anatomy of the cervical spine, please listen to the podcast episode about cervical spine anatomy. With respect to the presentation of neck injuries in athletes, always make sure to evaluate the mental status of the patient. Spinal injuries should be assumed in the athlete with loss or altered consciousness. Symptoms may include neck pain and neurological symptoms such as numbness, tingling, or weakness. Physical exams, specifically the on-field evaluation, when a cervical spine injury is suspected in the field, make sure to stabilize the head and neck, log roll to the supine position, remove the face mask to protect the airway as needed, however, do not remove the helmet or shoulder pads, Again, remove the face mask to protect the airway as needed. However, do not remove the helmet or shoulder pads. You should perform CPR as indicated. Log roll place the patient on a backboard and transport to a location to perform a complete physical exam. With respect to inspection, look for deformities of the cervical spine. Palpate the spinous processes for step-offs or pain. And with respect to the neurologic exam, muscle testing of all four extremities should be carried out. You should also test the sensation throughout the extremities and test the reflexes. With respect to imaging, radiographs are indicated for burners or stingers with recurring symptoms, as well as neurologic symptoms and transient quadriplegia. Recommended views include a cervical spine trauma series. Findings may include a canal diameter of less than 13 millimeters. Normal is approximately 17 millimeters. You may also find a torg pavlo ratio, which is the canal over the vertebral body width, of less than 0.8. Normal is 1.0. Keep in mind that the torg ratio is technique-dependent, not predictive, and not accurate in large athletes. An MRI is indicated when there's bilateral neurologic symptoms. With respect to findings, look for spinal stenosis or loss of CSF around the spinal cord.
Treatment of neck injuries in athletes can be non-operative or operative. With respect to non-operative management, let's talk about the return to play criteria. This is indicated for burners or stingers when there's complete resolution of symptoms and normal strength as well as range of motion. Return to play can also be indicated in transient quadriplegia with normal MRI findings. Congenital stenosis, that is a Torg-Pavlov ratio of less than 0.8 without stability, but patients should be counseled regarding the risks. With respect to no return to play, that is contraindications to return to play, these include transient quadriplegia with severe stenosis, spear tackler spine, cervical neuropraxia with ligamentous instability, upper C-spine abnormalities are absolute contraindications for return to play, specifically odontoid hypoplasia, os odontoidium, as well as atlanto-occipital fusion. A TORG-1 clipofail anomaly, that is a long fusion mass, is also an absolute contraindication to play. A TORG-2 clipofail, that is only one or two segments with limited motion, and or secondary degenerative changes or instability is also a contraindication to play. A TORG-2 clipofail below C3 that is asymptomatic is a relative contraindication to return to play. Operative treatment is the same as for other traumatic injuries to the spine. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, Proper tackling techniques should be taught to adolescent football players to prevent catastrophic cervical spine injury. These injuries most commonly occur through which of the following mechanisms? And the choices are 1. Axial loading of the subaxial spine that occurs with spear tackling. 2. Traction injury leading to nerve root avulsion from arm tackling. 3. Excessive lateral bending from high impact shoulder tackling. 4. Flexion distraction injuries due to a whiplash mechanism during cut blocking and five rotational injuries from pulling on the face mask during a tackle. The correct answer to this question is one, axial loading of the subaxial spine that occurs with spear tackling. So during collision sports such as football, the most common type of traumatic neck injury involves fracture, dislocation, or ligamentous disruption of the subaxial cervical spine. These are typically due to axial loading mechanisms, which in football most commonly occur during spear tackling by defensive backs. Bowden et al. retrospectively reviewed 196 incidents of catastrophic high school and collegiate football neck injuries over a 13-year period. The events resulted in fracture, dislocation, or major ligamentous injury at a subaxial cervical level in 95 athletes, at the C1 or C2 level or both in 9 athletes, at combined upper and lower levels in 7 athletes, and at an unknown level in 41 athletes. In addition, 43 athletes were diagnosed with cervical cord neuropraxia, and one athlete had a cervical nerve root avulsion. Playing the defensive back position and spear tackling were shown to be the greatest risk factors for these fracture and dislocation type neck injuries. Moving on to the next question. A college football receiver is unconscious and in respiratory distress after sustaining a helmet-to-helmet -helmet collision. What is the correct initial management of this patient? And the choices are 1. Transfer player to the emergency room. 2. Remove the helmet and shoulder pads. 3. Remove the helmet and sit the player upright to help with breathing. 4. Remove the face mask, leaving the helmet in place, followed by appropriate airway management. And 5. Perform a tracheostomy. The correct answer to this question is 4. Remove the face mask, leaving the helmet in place, followed by appropriate airway management. 
So to quickly review, following the ATLS protocol, airway management is the essential first step in the treatment algorithm. The face mask must be removed rapidly to gain access to the airway. The cervical spine should be immobilized in a neutral position. Attempting to remove the helmet without simultaneously removing the shoulder pads is contraindicated because it could pull traction on an injured C-spine or result in immobilization and extension because the shoulder pads lift the chest forward. This was shown radiographically in a cadaveric flexion distraction model study by Gastel et al. They concluded that in order to maintain a neutral position and minimize secondary injury to the cervical neural elements, the helmet and shoulder pads should be either both removed or left on. The 2015 NADA recommendations now allow for skilled teams to simultaneously remove both the helmet and shoulder pads prior to transfer if it can be safely done. However, initial efforts still need to focus on airway management, which includes rapid face mask removal. And moving on to the final question. A 21-year-old college football player sustains transient loss of motor function in his arms after a collision. Which of the following is an absolute contraindication to return to play? And the choices are 1. Anterior cervical discectomy and fusion for one level disc herniation. 2. Torque ratio of less than 0.8 with no other neurologic symptoms. 3. Cord signal changes in the MRI. 4. Frequent episodes of stingers when he was in high school. And 5. Chronic neck and back pain. The correct answer to this question is 3. Cord signal changes in the MRI. So the TORG ratio is the ratio of the spinal canal to the vertebral body. TORG and Pavlov stated that a ratio under 0.8 corresponded to severe spinal stenosis. However, subsequent studies have shown the incidence of spinal stenosis using a TORG ratio of 0.8 as a definition to be 49% in asymptomatic professional football players. Kim et al. also found that the presence of an abnormal TORG ratio does not appear to be predictive of future spinal cord injury. Ladd and Scranton argued that spinal stenosis cannot be defined by bone measurements alone. They claim functional spinal stenosis is more accurately defined as a loss of the CSF around the cord or deformation of the spinal cord documented by CT myelography or MRI. Cantu advises that in the setting of functional spinal stenosis, a return to contact or collision sports should be contraindicated. Kim et al. argued that athletes sustaining multiple episodes of transient quadriparesis or bilateral extremity symptoms with MRI evidence of cord injury should be advised to avoid contact slash collision sports. That's all for this review about neck injuries in athletes. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you've gotten any value from the OrthoBullets podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.